In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojinet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. I am Ron Colick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone Van Helsing. And with me, all the way across the pond, is not Mr. Cal Cooper. No, he is off of doing important work, I'm sorry, I've told uh, whatever that is. But anyways, we have the next best thing, if not a better thing. We have the Mr. Parascience himself, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Good afternoon, Ron. Was that a bit of backpedaling then ahead on the introduction? Second best? No, I never said second best. You nearly did. Nearly did, but didn't. Hey, how are you? Uh, better than nothing. I mean, we've we've got only what. 11, 13, 14, I don't know, 15 days to Halloween, and that's huge over here, you know, so there's something oh, going yeah. on all the time. Yeah, you guys really know how to do Halloween properly over there. Yeah, I tell you, right, it's, uh, it's been interesting. Uh, last week I was at uh, Fort Tabor uh, in New Bedford uh, working with Jeff Belanger in Spooky South Coast doing an event down there. And then, actually, I was their guest. I wasn't working it, which was even better. Uh, and then uh, the following night, I after getting home at like four in the morning, uh, the following night I did a uh, Victorian uh, cigarette garden seance, which was a held in a hundred-year-old rhododendron den, which is like an igloo of rhododendron plants, and it was all lit up with little twinkly lights, and we had a spiritualist medium there do a circle and, and that was kind of fun and then the week before that I investigated a uh, lighthouse down in Fall River uh, which was fun, you had to go by Zodiac to get to it and everything else so yeah I've been busy, 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 busy it's Yeah, nice. very, very very busy by the sound of it you're putting me to shame I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, all I've been doing for the last couple of weeks is stick, stuck at the computer and uh, work, work, work but I've got a busy Halloween too um, yeah Next week, I'm entertaining an American journalist from the Wall Street Journal for a couple of days. He's going to be doing a feature. Uh, I'm going to make a video um, for a Welsh television channel. And then it's off to Portsmouth for Halloween uh, for the Great Naked Ghost Hunt. Oh, I understand that. That'd be fun. It should be fun. Uh, Cal's, Cal's the star of that one. Um, he doesn't know it yet. But... Pardon? If he shows up. I'll Cal be there. <laughs> I hope. But um, 
Otherwise, yeah, the, the t- be all you, my friend. Yeah, the title's causing a bit of fun, uh, The Great Naked Ghost Hunt. It actually means naked of all equipment. Uh, so all of the participants, it's going back to the early days of the ghost hunting, so all of the participants will be stripped of all their electronic cameras, gadgets, smartphones, torches, anything that's got a battery in it. They'll be given, um, I understand, a candle, and that's it. Off you go ghost hunting. So um, that'll be taking place at the Portsmouth Guildhall, and there are links to it all over Facebook and on my page, on Cal's page, on the Ghost Chronicles Facebook page, and of all good booksellers. There you go. You know, we've actually been toying with the idea of doing a Harry Price ghost hunt. Well, essentially, um, this is this is sort of part way. Um, the idea of of looking at methods used by the early ghost hunters has intrigued me for a long long time um but doesn't necessarily work in a public format but the idea that you know we spend a a huge amount of time these days ghost hunting from behind camera screens and staring at gadgets and gizmos that we we might be losing something so uh, let's go back and take a, a a look at the earlier methods because you know some of the early ghost hunters they were reporting stuff and uh, mm-hmm. you know they they didn't have the thermal images and the k2s and the ovalis and all the other bits of the e- em pumps and christ knows what else mm-hmm. so we thought we'd uh, we'd give it a shot yeah, actually uh, I, I saw is that you that saw on that thermal imager on uh, ebay uh yeah one of the thermal images is up for sale finishes tomorrow um time time to declutter Okay, and, and what's what's the bid price on it right now? Uh, I last looked, it was about seven hundred and sixty. So it's it's going to go for a bargain price, even if it even if it jumps up a little bit from there, um, because so seven hundred sixty pounds, which is pounds, real money. Probably, what it's about what about nine hundred dollars? Oh, that's a deal. So to hire it out would cost you about. Uh, in UK pounds, about 260 a week from um, these commercial companies. And to buy, although it's out of production now, to buy it, you can still pick them up new reconditioned for about 2,500. Um, so it's going to be a bargain for somebody and a great ghost hunting gadget. Jeez, I might have to put a bit on that myself. Uh, it's only available to UK and Ireland. Oh, oh. There you go, anyway. you see. So we have a. You've got too many gadgets. Yeah, well, I like gadgets. You know that. But anyways, uh, we have a gentleman on our show, a young gentleman on our show, uh, who is uh, has done a lot of research in one of my, I would kind of say favorite subjects, but it's it's kind of not because everything's my favorite subject, <laughs> but certainly one that intrigues me greatly. In fact, in my book uh, goes today. There's a couple of uh, stories on on these creatures. Uh, So without further ado, why don't you introduce our guest, Mr. Parsons? Okay, uh, I will. And I would like to add a a short introduction of my own because, uh, as as many people know, I'm not one for uh, holding back my praise of parapsychologists and how they shouldn't be allowed anywhere near haunted buildings. Um, and the vast majority of them actually never set foot in a haunted location. They stay in, you know, safe up in their labs. Um, but Simon, Dr. Simon Sherwood, our guest tonight, is one of, count them on the fingers of one hand, 
parapsychologists who spend many, many, many hours uh, traveling the length and breadth of the country uh, in his search and quest for not just ghosts, um, but also black dogs, as we call them over here. So, um, long stand fre- long-standing friend. So, good evening, Simon. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. Thank good you very evening. much. For the in- thank you very much for the introductions there, and uh, thank you for describing me as young. <laughs> you notice I didn't mention that you'd ever been on a television program with Derek Akora. Oh, don't. Has <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it? Oh, oh yeah. Now. <laughs> really? You'll have, to tell them, you'll have to tell them now, Simon. Sorry. Oh, you'll have to because you just jumped up about three notches in standard. <laughs> um, there was a TV show, oh, probably five, six, seven years ago now called uh, Derek Akora's Ghost Towns. Oh, yes, I remember that. And um, I, I appeared on a number of episodes of the first series of that show. Well, if that comes around or if, if I can find it, I'm going to have to take a peek then because I did watch that show uh, off and on on the Travel Channel over here in, in the States. And, uh, you know, Derek, after he left uh, uh, Most Haunted, certainly Most Haunted suffered for it. Uh, you know, he was certainly a force uh, one way or another in, in the production of that uh, show. Yeah, I think I think that was kind of a vehicle that he moved on to after Most Haunted. I think it was a living TV production. Right. It was I a, think he, he did move on to Egypt after that. Uh, he had left the country, I guess, one reason or another. I'm not I sure. think so. Yeah, I think there were there were there were two or three uh, series of Ghost Towns, but I was only involved uh, with the first series. Wisely, wisely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But it was a very interesting experience. It's very interesting to see him uh, apparently possessed kind of close up, as it were. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you, you, are, you are a parapsychologist, correct, sir? Uh, yes, I guess I would describe myself as a parapsychologist, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, have you ever dealt with uh, trans mediums before and, and have you ever witnessed them in, in that type of a setting? Um, that was the first time I'd ever witnessed a trance medium uh, live, as it were. And uh, I, I remember one particular episode where um, we were in a very small flat and we were uh, investigating the bathroom at the time and uh, Derek had put his head outside of the window uh, to look around and we weren't really paying too much attention, but when he came back in through the window, he'd uh, apparently been possessed by quite an angry man and took us all by surprise as he proceeded to angrily pace around this very small flat. So we're having to kind of jump out of the way. So that was that was uh, one of my first, I think, experiences of, uh, of, of Derek possessed. It was quite frightening and unexpected. I had visions there of Daniel, of some Daniel Hume-esque escapade where he floats out of one window and floats back in another. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, myself and some of the researchers had to do some diving around because uh, we weren't supposed to appear on camera. And as Derek came marching towards the lounge in this very <laughs> tiny flat, um, we had to dive over the, so- uh, over the sofa and kind of uh, cower in the corner so that we were out of shot. So we we were quite active parapsychologists on that occasion. (laughs) Yeah, I I imagine that, you know, the first time you you witnessed that, it's definitely uh, uh, eye-opening, I think. Um, You know, I work with a trans medium, and 
I know a lot of people are just uh, absolutely uh, terrified her of her. Yet, in all the years I've been working with her, uh, she's never phased me one way or the other. Uh, mm. The time I was ever concerned was about her own safety. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there were times where um, I think some of the crew and some of the presenters on the show got quite worried. And there were occasions where um, kind of Derek's uh, aide would come in and, and try and bring him out of it because they were worried that he, would, he wouldn't come out of it. So quite certainly quite interesting to experience close up. Yeah, yeah, that's the interesting thing is is that uh, a lot of people don't truly understand, and I don't know if we anyone really truly understands uh, what happens to a trans channeler. And uh, you know, it's it's really an interesting. I, you know, I don't know how we get onto this, but it's yeah, I find it really interesting because there were times I remember doing an event with with Maureen. It was you know it was just an event. We were just supposed to show up and chat and push the flesh and flesh and uh, I was in another part of this big old mansion, and somebody came running for me, and sure enough, she had uh, gone into this trance, and uh, there were people trying to bring her out of it, and she wasn't having no part of it. And all I just had images of me uh, calling up 911 and say, you know, <laughs> I can't come, I've got a uh, possessed woman here, and I'm not even married to her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know certainly amongst the crew, some, on some occasions, people w were very worried that, uh, you know, he wouldn't kind of come out of it and, uh, you know, would he be okay and, you know, would he be a danger to, to others around. But I certainly think it's something that's really valuable to kind of witness firsthand as opposed to reading about it or, or seeing kind of an edited version on a TV show. To actually be there and see it for yourself is quite something. Before we, we move got, we got on, to I, whether I, you believe it or not. Right. Before we move on, I, I hear Mr. Uh, Passes is snickering in the background. And, um, you know, I get a feeling he doesn't believe in trans mediums at all. That's, no, that's completely untrue. Um, I was sniggering be because I've, I, I've been in the, the fortunate position of seeing lots of mediums going into trance and channeling. Um, I was sniggering because most of the time it's funny and amusing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> watch, watching the antics of these amateurs performing. Um, oh! That you know, doesn't mean... That word, amateur? Now, yeah. yeah, but that doesn't mean to say that, I don't, that I'm not open-minded as to the possibility. And as, you know, as we've discussed many times, you know, um, I think there is, there is a, lot, a great deal of compelling evidence... Um, for mediumship, or for you know, for for some—I don't know what we'd call it—some some sensory faculty that, that we could that we could call mediumship. Um, but unfortunately for me, I've 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 never witnessed Daniel Hume or, or you know one of the one of these other great mediums. Um, I've only witnessed the street corner ghost hunting mediums, and uh, I've got to say, um, they're they're performances do draw a lot um from Derek's performances on television um in terms of their inspiration and their their sort of actions that they go through yeah you know i mean uh you know the more every week i talk with you every week i gotta figure out how to get you over here because i am dying to see what you uh dealing with maureen i mean that would be so much so interesting uh yeah, she's not anything like Derek Akora, I can guarantee you that. I, I'm absolutely convinced that Maureen and I will get on famously. Yeah. 
And <laughs> next, next Halloween would be the perfect opportunity. That may happen. Anyways, we have a guest on the line, and we've gone totally off topic again, as I usually do. <laughs> I have that anal thing that I just go anywhere my little mind wanders, which wanders all over the place. But, uh, Doctor, should I call you Dr. Sherwood? Or, uh, Simon is fine. Simon. I like Simon. Simon's a cool name. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very uh, English. Very. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Simon... What what piqued your interest to uh, get you involved? And and I understand you, you're you're probably I guess the predominant researcher into the the black shuck or the black dogs uh, in the UK. Am, am I wrong with that? Or? Uh, there, there aren't there aren't that many people uh, investigating such a niche uh, apparition. I think that's that's fair to say. Um, in terms of how I got interested in, in uh, the whole paranormal. Um, my apologies to those who have heard this story before, but it was actually uh, a childhood encounter with a black dog that I had myself. Um, I was probably about four years old. I was living in a town called Spalding in Lincolnshire, and I was sitting up in my bed one night looking out along the landing, and this huge kind of dog-like creature appeared, and I was terrified, petrified, couldn't move, couldn't speak, and it came running along the landing, which uh, was well lit at the time. And as it reached the threshold to my bedroom, and I thought, it's coming to get me, you know, nothing I can do about it, suddenly vanished, at which point I was able to kind of shout and scream, and my parents came in and reassured me. And that was, that was my first kind of experience, really, and uh, that's how it all started for me. Simon, can I just ask, uh, black dog encounters, are they... Um, I mean, I normally associate them with uh, roads, uh, lanes, um, yeah. outdoor locations. Oh, are, no. are they are are they quite common as an indoor apparition? They're not. They're not common as an indoor apparition. Um, I've certainly come across a few few other cases of indoor apparitions. They are most likely to be outdoor and. More often than not, uh, at night time. But certainly, there are there are a few daytime encounters. There are encounters where people are indoors, or there are encounters where people are out driving or out cycling um, at night time, and they've had an encounter. So, I guess mine, in some ways, was relatively unusual in that it was indoors. That's the, I, I've something I've always associated them with outdoor uh, as an outdoor apparition. Yeah. Um, and where I am in West Wales, as, as we've already talked about in the past, we have uh, quite, a, quite a number. In fact, just, just a few hundred metres from where I live, we have Black Dog Lane. So, um, Excellent. So you'll have to come down here one day and see if you can find ours. Yes, if, if, you, if you ever find that they're getting rid of the sign with Black Dog Lane on it, <laughs> I'd love it to come my way. <laughs> I oh, shall... Uh, She'll see what, what happens next time we go out. Uh-oh, I don't think I want to know. Hey, you shoot your road signs over that side of the water. Uh, no, you don't do that. We yes, pay big bucks for this. Only, only good ones are stolen, like, you know, Hell Street or something like that. When, uh, I've, whenever, when I was in Alabama and Mississippi, people were shooting road oh, yeah. signs. you got to remember, that's a different part of the country. It's good fun, though. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But anyway, I know that in, in my book, uh, Ghost Today, uh, the uh, case that it's probably the most interesting in the black dogs, it was the one uh, where the, the dog went into the two churches uh, 
I mean, that's, uh, you know, in fact, I think one of the churches still has these claws marks on the door if you go and visit it today. It does, yeah. That's um, the case, I think, 1577 off the top of my head in uh, the county of Suffolk. Um, two churches in the towns of Bungay and Blytheborough. Yep. But there's a recent book that suggests that um, the story might have been made up, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, there was um, a guy who was a writer, I think, who later became uh, a priest, and um, he was trying to make a bit of a name for himself as a writer, and he wrote an account. And I think, if I remember rightly, the story goes that he was trying to write an account to suggest to people that if they um, weren't good Christians and were sinners, this was the kind of thing that would happen to them. The devil would visit them in the form of a black dog and um, lightning would strike the, ter- the church and bad things would happen. Um, but people have argued that he was in London and never actually visited um, Suffolk to find that about the case. So that's, that's one theory that I've heard, that it was actually a story that was made up. But you're right, that, that is probably one of the most famous black dog uh, stories I mean, around. It's uh, it's easy to do after the fact. I mean, when you think about it, uh, you know, I've I read accounts where uh, they they proved that it was uh, ball lightning that really did it. Yeah, I think the um, the church records at the time um, do indicate that the church was struck by lightning, and I think I forget which of the two churches it was, but I think the spire toppled, and because I think there was also a lightning strike, uh, it's been suggested that that caused uh, the burn marks on the door, which, as you, as you quite rightly say, if you visit the church today on one of the doors, there are actually some burn marks there that you can see. But I, I don't actually know if anyone's confirmed whether that's the original door or not. Right. Uh, I don't know. I just find it interesting. In, in fact, I, I know that I remember there was actually accounts of this black dog seeing... Uh, the same day when the churches were struck. Yes, it's interesting, actually. I have a, another case involving a black dog in a churchyard from um, Northamptonshire, where I'm based at the moment. And this is a case from about, it's probably about 10 years ago now. But, um, and, and also, interestingly, the guy emailed me um, literally a couple of hours after the experience. And what had happened was... Uh, it was late at night, about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and he couldn't get a very good signal on his cell phone, so he'd gone outside to walk around until he got a signal. And as he approached the uh, church gates, he found he had a signal, so he decided he would walk through uh, the churchyard. And it was, as he was walking along, it was pretty dark, and um, he suddenly heard the sound of sort of an animal running um, towards him. And then... Um, he kind of saw this big black dog kind of uh, running almost straight at him. And just as it was about to kind of hit him and he was about to kind of move out of the way, it completely vanished. And uh, he was sort of quite taken aback. And when he got home, he did a bit of Googling, uh, came across my website and um, decided there and then to email his experience, hot off the press, as it were. So there are still a few um, reports of black dog encounters in churches still, you know, t- in modern times. It's it's not just the dog, so um, is it, Simon? Um, it's quite 
uh, out here in Wales, there's a, a sort of preponderance of black calves. They, the similarity, you know, the, the glowing red eyes, um, yeah. etc. But, well, but the eyes vary depending on the counts. The color of yeah. the eyes vary depending to, depending to the different accounts. Yeah, it does. I, I come across sort of yellow eyes, red eyes, green eyes, black eyes. But it's interesting, as, as Steve says, I mean, some of the um, black dog accounts, people will describe it, they'll say it's about as big as a calf. So I can certainly see, you know, sometimes there might be a ghostly calf that's perceived as a dog and possibly vice versa. And, and maybe some, some kind of black cat sightings um, could be dogs or vice versa. Yeah, certainly out here in West Wales, in fact, throughout Wales, the majority of cases that, that would probably be classical black dog cases are actually black calves or black bull cases, uh, right. or reports, sorry. Um, the dogs seem to be more of a, an English-Scottish phenomena, uh, and also in Ireland, but uh, the mm. Welsh... And also the Irish East Coast, which faces us, they, they also have um, more bovines than feel um canines uh, canines that's it <laughs> yeah i mean certainly as you say i mean i think the black dog is is more often associated um with england but i think one of the interesting things that i found with my research collecting cases is actually you know i found them further afield you know, elsewhere in europe um usa australia canada i think they're uh, a few in South America as well. So it's actually been quite interesting to find that cases that are further afield, but still still similar descriptions. We talk about um, foreign cases. Is there any connection, do you think, to some of the large unidentified mammals like Bigfoot? Is there any similarity I d- there? Uh, I don't know about um, Bigfoot. Um, it's not something I, I've really looked into. I mean, I know um, there have been some some researchers, uh, such as um, John Keel, the late John Keel, for example, who felt that there were certain kind of, uh, I think he called them windows, um, and these were kind of areas uh, of a particular country where, for a period of time, there'd be all manner of kind of strange phenomena reported, so strange creatures, uh, mm. poltergeist-type phenomena, um, UFOs, those kind of things. And it's, it's something, the, the reason I say that is, is um, I was recently paid a visit to uh, Point Pleasant in West Virginia to find out a bit more about the Mothman. And oh, so yeah. uh, I, was, I was reading up on that a little bit, on John Keel's uh, theories. That idea of, of a window also applies to a case that, um, or a, a large beastie that we've, we've also looked at, which is the Loch Ness Monster, I'm sure you'll remember. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> but that, that similar sort of idea that, um, that there's some sort of portal or window that these, that these creatures uh, come through. We've got a question here from Brian, uh, who's asking, it's probably for after the break, but if I read the question now, give okay. you some thinking time. All right. Um, whether black dog phenomena could actually be a lingering revenant of wolves or even bears, bearing in mind the majority are outside and on lanes that may be hundreds of years old. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, we're going think... to have to hold that for after the break because it is time to take a break. Uh, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parapsychology himself. And 
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests who step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs> And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Steve Parsons and New England's own Van Helsing. Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet 
Pararex, Ghost Channel, and Beyond. And our very special guest today is Dr. Simon Sherwood, the officiato of the black dog, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, so why don't, do you want to re, re, uh, re, restate that question for us, Thea Stephen? Okie doke. Um, it's from, uh, from Brian here in the UK who asks um, whether Simon thinks that the black dog phenomena could actually be a lingering revenant of wolves or bears, bearing in mind that the majority are outside and on lanes, locations that may be hundreds of years uh, old. Okay, uh, I appreciate the pun there, the bearing in mind. <laughs> uh, in terms of um, wolves or bears, I mean, certainly I've heard theories that the black dog could be kind of working dogs um, or dogs that were set to guard a particular area, historical site or kind of a, a treasure site. Um, I've also heard the theory that these kind of um, ghostly animals could be some kind of uh, archetype that somehow triggered in, in, in people's minds. And one of the things I find that's interesting about these kind of black dog encounters, I'm not sure if this is true for kind of calves and other kind of animals, uh, ghostly bears, um, but this idea that some, sometimes the, the creature is quite negative and quite frightening, whereas on other occasions um, it can be quite kind of helpful or, or positive. One of the things that I've started doing with witnesses who contact me now is to ask them about their relationship with animals, particularly uh, dogs, because my hypothesis was that if people had had a bad experience with an animal or didn't like animals very much, they might have kind of a negative experience, whereas is if they're an animal lover, it might be sort of quite positive. Um, I can't say that I've got enough enough data to answer that uh, yet, but it's it's certainly um, interesting that a lot of kind of uh, animals obviously are outside, and mo many of the encounters are outdoors as well. Um, so I'm not sure if um, there's a great deal of evidence to support that particular question, but it's, it's interesting one and. It's, it may account for, for, for some of the sightings, perhaps, um, if indeed um, it's either these, these things are a spirit or if um, the apparition is somehow information that's become recorded in a particular location. I guess it's a possibility. I'm glad you, I'm glad you've, uh, you sort of touched on the idea of the animal being spirit because um, you're not very far away from probably, if we move away from these, these sort of devil dogs, the black shuck dogs, to... An apparition of a black dog, a very famous black dog, um, linked to Wing Commander Guy Gibson. So, uh, how is how is you know how can you or how do you differentiate between what might be an apparitional sighting of mm -hmm. uh, a domestic animal, a pet, yeah. Um, yeah. or these more ma apparently malevolent black shucks? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, in some cases. Um, the black dog is rather like a domestic pet in, in, in many cases. And sometimes, in fact, people who are dog owners initially mistake it for their own pet. Usually what uh, differentiates it from a real living dog is usually kind of the behaviour in that it will walk through a wall or it will suddenly vanish or something. Um, obviously, sometimes uh, a ghost of a domestic pet might do that but the 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 black dog if you like the the um 
the ghostly black dog rather than the domestic pet. They're often much bigger than an ordinary dog and people say that they don't look like any normal dog they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they might have limbs missing. Um, sometimes people describe black dogs with a human face. Um, sometimes it's got no face at all. Sometimes it might not have a head. Sometimes it might only have one eye. So the, the black dog, if you like, in inverted commas, tends to be unlike any normal living domestic animal that people have, have come across. And that's usually um, how you would differentiate yeah. that and the, the glowing eyes. So of course, we all kind of know that if, you know, headlights or if you shine a torch in, in a dog's mm -hmm. face, often its, its eyes will uh, have, demonstrate eye shine and will reflect the light back. Um, but certainly um, the, the appearance of the black dog is typically unlike any living dog that people have come across. And that's usually how they differ differentiate it. One question that follows up from that is actually um, from Roy in the chat room is, uh, are there any sightings that have been reported by multiple uh, witnesses? There are, actually. Um, certainly, I've, I've got a few in my uh, collection where there have been people driving along at night. Um, there's one case I remember. Um, a guy was a lorry driver out on his very first uh, job as a lorry driver and had taken a friend along with him and they were, they were driving along at night and one of them saw this big huge kind of black dog sitting in the road um was very frightened and they were about to hit it tried to break and as they just as they were about to hit it it vanished and he kind of leant across to his passenger and said did you just see what i saw and he'd also seen the same thing. So there are indeed a number of, of cases where there's multiple witnesses, and mm -hmm. th I find those more interesting because it's obviously more difficult to, to argue that several people have hallucinated the same thing at the same time, whereas if it's just one person, obviously it's, it's, uh, a, possible, it's a possibility they could have hallucinated it or mm. misperceived something. So, yeah, mm. multiple cases are much more interesting. Well, do you find any correlations, and, and this is my own question, between, for instance, the howling of a banshee and a black dog? Um, I can't say that I've done much research in terms of the banshee, but certainly I know there are a number of black dog cases where the people say that at the time of their sighting, they later discovered it coincided with the death of someone close to them, most often a kind of family member. So sometimes people have, have taken it as an indication of or a warning that that person's died, or some people have described it as the black dog had a purpose. It come it come to collect the person's soul, if you like. Mm -hmm. That's quite prevalent in, in Welsh black dogs, uh, black calf black dog stories, that they're a, a harbinger uh, or, or a portent of death. Yeah, I, I, I know less about the, the Welsh um, black dogs and, and other black animals, I must admit. But yeah, I have come across, certainly a lot of people uh, have, have, have seen the black dog as being some kind of harbinger of doom or, you know, a bad omen. And I think in terms of looking back in the folklore, there's often that kind of association and also kind of connections um, with bad luck and, and the devil as well, mm. you know, generally mm. negative things. Well, but, I, I, as I've said many times, I keep trying to persuade you to come down. So, uh, 
That's and, another and compelling reason. In researching my book, uh, Ghost of Day, I found you know a lot of cases associated with, with black dogs, and, and the Moors seem to tie into it as well. I remember one, uh, there's a, I forget who it is, and I, I am so sorry I, I do at this time, but he's the tomb of a certain person who I believe killed his wife, and if you go around it three times, uh, he'll grab you or something. But that is also uh, people were driven away by black dogs uh, when they go visit that uh, tomb as well. And that was in the UK. I can't remember the name, unfortunately, offhand. Um, no, I can't either. I think it was uh, in the south of the country somewhere. Uh, but okay. I, I can't remember either. Yeah, I think I think there's there, there is some kind of tomb there. Of I think that the the person whose tomb it is wasn't a particularly nice person. Exactly. And I, th- I, I think it, yeah. Is, is it Little Dean? Uh, don't know. I, might I be really wrong, can't, can't remember the name of it. No, I, I might be it. wrong as well. But it does sound like Little Dean or reminiscent of the Little Dean. He what, says. What is, scrap, the, what is the Little Dean, uh, Steve? Um, well, as I said, I'm scrabbling around now to try and find the details, but the, uh, something of the story that you were telling me um, about an evil, you know, uh, you know the grave being protected, um, yeah, going three times. In fact, they have a grid around it, I believe, like a fence around it. And, yeah, uh, um, I'm, I'm just trying to find some details, but, but yeah, chat, amongst, chat amongst yourselves. It's a Google moment again. Actually, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a scrabbling around on the bookshelf. I'm pretty sure he killed his wife, and uh, she appeared as a ghost as well. I, I can't remember. Or I, think I, could little, think, I think Little Dean, there was a child that was uh, murdered, so it might not be the same. Well, it might be. It might be. You know, they, they all meld in after a while, unless you have your research in front of you. So, I mean, uh, Dr. Simon, um, it, in researching the black dog, did you go in – be, you, you said you had that experience, so you believe they were real. I, I guess I guess answer my own question in that you went in with the theory that they were real, or, or this phenomenon was real. Um, I guess it depends what you mean by real. I mean, certainly I think it was, it was a, certainly a real experience. I mean, for me at the time, I wasn't very old. I was only maybe four or five years old. My, my parents' explanation at the time was it was car headlights reflecting through the window or it was um, a cat peering, peering through the window. Um, I guess I believed that until a few years later. I was reading in the local newspaper in the same town. There was a poltergeist case in a house. There was a young couple and a baby, and they were reporting objects were being thrown at the infant and the father said on one occasion he was on the stairs and this big black dog had run at him and then vanished. And my own father remembers me going up to him in this newspaper and saying, look, Dad, someone else has seen this black dog. And he kind of took me seriously from that point on. But I have to say from my own experience, one of the theories I think it could be could be sleep paralysis because I was sitting in bed. It was around the time of sleep. I was paralysed, couldn't move, and experienced strange imagery. However, that explanation certainly wouldn't account for the numerous other black dog cases around the world, certainly the ones where there are multiple witnesses driving at night. You'd hope they're not falling asleep. Uh, And certainly kind of daytime encounters, um, you would hope the person wasn't experiencing, experiencing sleep paralysis there. So I'm not 
sure yet that I have an explanation for all of them. Um, I would say I'm not convinced yet that they uh, might be spirits. I, I don't personally yet believe in the spirit explanation for apparitions myself. Can I, uh, can I just jump in here with, with a very short one from... Uh, I've just been going through the Book of Welsh Folklores. Uh, I've got the 1820s edition. And there's a really neat, very short one from not very far away from where I am. Um, during the 19th century, um, a Mr David Walter was walking across a field in which were two standing stones called the Devil Stones, which were said to be haunted, but he didn't believe in such things. Suddenly, without any visible sign, he felt himself being lifted up in the air, upon which he was unceremoniously dumped on the other side of a hedge. Later, uh, he was walking back across the field when... Uh, sorry, he'd taken a strong, uh, a, a strong fighting mastiff dog with him for protection. And as he reapproached these two stones, he saw blocking his path the apparition of a dog more terrible than he had ever seen. In vain he tried to set his mastiff upon the beast, but his dog crouched by his feet and refused to move. Mr. Walter then picked up a heavy stone, thinking this might frighten the hound. Immediately a circle of fire surrounded the animal, and in the bright light he could see the fearsome fangs and grinning teeth. He caught a glimpse of a white tip of the long tail. The dog then disappeared, but Mr. Walter knew that he had seen one of the infernal dogs of hell. There you go. That was, it, uh, that was recorded in 1800, just up the road from me. Good one, good one. It's very interesting, actually, that it, they described it as grinning. That, that seems to crop up quite a lot in uh, accounts i've come across people say it grinned at me or it smiled at me in in a in an evil way yeah the, I, I mean the the book is full of accounts i mean i just picked the shortest one there just for, for the sake of time but we have numerous names for them out here that I, you know the, the black shark the black shark the, the dog of baal um gwilchi is the welsh word also uh kunanon uh, so there's, I mean, there's three or four different names for them out here. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, I think, and f- I think many the, more the around case the I was thinking about was Squire something or other. Yeah, that rings a bell. I, I still can't put a name to it, though. I, I can't either. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> it's in my book, and I don't have my book in, anywhere around. I actually had a, unfortunately, my library uh, got hit by some water, and all my books are screwed out everywhere, half wet. Okay. Oh, dear. Um, we've got to do our dice, um, our, our, our online. Should we run it past um, Dr. Sherwood and get his, uh, his opinion of our experiment? Oh, why not? Um, as, a, as a professional parapsychologist, we've come up with this, this idea to do an online, um, an on-air, double-blind um, ESP experiment using Xenodice. Um, so what we do is each week we're rolling five Xenodice and then okay. people are emailing in their responses to um, Professor Cal Cooper. Okay. Uh, he's unaware of, of, obviously, the dice throw results, and he's going to um, see how close they get to the actual dice, fig- uh, dice results. So is that a cool experiment, or is it rubbish? Um, I, you, you've got five, five dice. Are, are you... Um, five throw- rolls. Are you throwing them all in one go, or no, one at one, a time? One, one at a time. Uh, okay. So it gives okay. it gives us a few seconds for for the the individual uh, symbol to be sent off into the ether. 
yeah, that, that's good. It's, that's good. It's important to do one at a time because um, if you were doing all five and the person's trying trying to guess, you could argue <laughs> how are they going to know which one they're picking up on. The other thing that's important is that the um, the the dice rolling is is uh, random. Are, are these actual dice or virtual dice? No, they are actually solid. Three di- uh, three dimensionals uh, dice with the five Zener symbol plus one additional symbol okay. um, on the dice. Um, so they know about the five symbols, but we're keeping the the uh, sixth symbol a uh, bit of a secret. Okay, I would I would say try and. Um shake it in some kind of uh, shaker rather than doing it in your hand just in case anyone kind of accuses you of uh, manipulating the way it's thrown or something and tr- try and be as objective as possible in the way it's thrown I mean when Ryan was doing his uh, dice experiments he had a, a machine that would turn around and toss the dice so that you couldn't argue that the experimenter had any contact with the die um, well the important thing is is that uh, only Steve is no- knows which is the actual role that's just written down by him. No one else. All sure. the results are sent to Cal, so Cal does not know the results. Uh, so it, it's pretty blind, if you ask me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it wasn't the blindness I was getting at. It, it was the uh, parapsychologists are very obsessed by uh, yeah, randomization yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, you know, making sure the experimenter has the minimum, minimal amount of involvement with it. But, no, yeah, it sounds, yeah, sounds okay. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's worth a punt. Yeah. Okay. So if everyone has their paper and pens uh, ready, uh, we'll give them a couple more minutes on, on this thing. And, of course, when they get the results, they send them to where? Uh, to contact at calcooper.com. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let her rip. Okay. And the first dice, you have to excuse the... Uh, the noise, but we've got to make it so people know that there is actually a dice. Dice yeah, number one. Okay, the second dice going now. Dice number three. Dice number four. And finally, for tonight's dice number five. And that completes the run of five dice for the 16th of October. Uh, So if you email your responses to contact at calcooper.com. I think we've only got a couple more weeks left now, haven't we, Ron? Right. And and I want to mention one thing. If you've missed the shows, you can go back to it and re-listen to the dice. It, it's not a problem. We, we will accept your results. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we've had about 9,000 so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm, I'm, I'm thumbing through my book trying to find this stupid case now. <laughs> So anyway, I, I, I thought you were sounding a little distracted there. Yeah, yeah, I'm always distracted, especially when I'm surrounded by books. You know, that's very distracting. I'm not a big reader, but I love books. 
I don't know why, but uh, anyways. So, are you, uh, Dr. Sherman, are you, uh, sure. Sherwood, 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 are you um, planning on writing a, a book with your results, or, or what is, what is, what are you going to do with this research? That's a good way of putting it. <clears throat> yeah, I've, um, recently analyzed details of about 50 black dog cases that I've got and I've, I've already presented that at a couple of uh, conferences and I'm planning to publish that as an article in the next year or so. Ultimately, I would like to write a book on black dog apparitions. Um, that's, that's kind of a, a longer term project and one of the things I'd really like to do. But in the shorter term, um, I'm going to be publishing results of analysis of about 50 of the cases I've got to date. Okay, and when you do this, will it be just in the UK or the world, or what is, what is the plans on that? Um, I would, obviously, when I come to do the book, um, I'd like that to be as, as widely uh, available as possible. Um, I should perhaps mention uh, I've got a website as well that people can visit for a bit more information, which is www.blackshuck.info. I-N-F-O. People can find out a bit more about uh, black dogs there. And there's an account of my own experience on the site there. Um, I would hope that um, when I publish it in a journal article, maybe I'll try and put that online on the website so people can access that there also. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one thing we have to do is, is when uh, Nori comes back from her hiatus, is to reset up the website and, and get some of this research out there so that people can, if they have black uh, dog uh, you know, witness accounts, they can contact our guests and, you know, get that in to them. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly if, uh, if any listeners out there have had experiences or know someone who has, I, I would love to hear more about that. I know we've focused on black dogs, but in the last couple of minutes, I know that, um, um, Simon, you also have a passion for ghosts and hauntings. I do, um, yeah. And you, you have visited countless haunted locations some some we've done together yes. um so as a as a parapsychologist what what's your feeling about ghosts and hauntings and the 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 idea that you know that we go out and we investigate ghosts yeah i find them kind of intriguing i mean to date i also find them very frustrating in that i've had very few if any uh kind of haunting experiences during investigations but i think it's a bit like the lottery um you've got to be in it to win it as it were so if you're not out there investigating them chances are perhaps you're not going to experience any phenomena um i still don't have a an explanation i think that accounts for all cases um some might be the effects of the environment some might be kind of misinterpretation um i'm not yet convinced um that any are kind of spirits um i'm still open-minded to that possibility but um yeah no i i, I love i love going going around uh, haunted places and take any opportunity i mean it, even um whilst i was at the parapsychological association convention uh, over the summer I managed to uh, take a road trip to Moundsville Penitentiary and do a bit of a, a mini investigation there whilst I was there. So I, I do still uh, keep my hand in. Yeah, I, I wish you knew. I knew when you were in the States, I would have hooked up with you. Yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
All right, uh, and, and and so you, you're evidently you're you're not you're accepting the spirit or the ghost uh, possibility. Um, so, w- what do you believe? I guess I guess is the word that hauntings are then. I don't think there's one one explanation that fits all really. Um, some of them are natural phenomena. I think some of them could be the effects of environmental variables on the body that are somehow misinterpreted or, or cause some kind of effect. Um, some of them, if if I was able to rule out all normal explanations, and for, unfortunately when it comes to the spirit hypothesis, I always think that the super psi explanation is more likely than the spirit one. So I always come up, if I had to entertain a paranormal theory, I'd be more inclined to go for ESP or psychokinesis than I would the spirit hypothesis at the moment. Hmm, that's interesting. So we create our own ghosts is what you're saying? Yeah, I, I would be more inclined towards that as an explanation than the spirit hypothesis, although the spirit hypothesis does have some merits, particularly uh, in cases where the apparition seems to be aware of its surroundings and the witnesses, and in cases where it seems to communicate or demonstrate some intelligence. They are the more difficult ones, I think, to explain, but they also seem to be the rarer kind. Yeah, they don't seem to do that as often as well, they I, used I to do back in the 19th evidently, century. Evidently, no. evidently, the pizza bell rang and we didn't hear it. Uh, so I guess <laughs> we are now in the section of the show, which means we are all done. So, uh, anyways, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with, um, I was going to say, Richard Felix as a blast from the past. That's raising the dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's with Derek now, so that's interesting. Uh, anyways, with uh, Stephen Parsons, Mr. Parascience, whose website is what? www.parascience.org.uk And our special guest, Dr. Simon. Good night. God bless. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. You're listening.